Lord, we thank you for this, uh, this day, this day of rest and, um, for all the blessings in our life, the ability to gather freely. We want to learn from your word and hear what you have to tell us today. Be with us this week so we can be better followers and better lights to the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. This is the Vaigra Torah portion. And yes, I'm saying that so I can easily identify recordings in the future. Uh, we'll start in Leviticus 1. Start talking about offerings today. It says, Then the Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, from the livestock, you may bring your offering from the herd or the flock. It is his, or if his gift is a burnt offering from the herd, he is to bring an un, unblemished male. He must bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting, so that he may be acceptable by the Lord, or accepted by the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, so it can be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He is to slaughter the bull before the Lord. Aaron's sons, the priests, are to present the blood and sprinkle it on all sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he must skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, will prepare a fire on the altar and arranged wood on the fire. Aaron's sons, the priests, are to arrange the pieces, the head, and the suet on top of the burnt, burning wood on the altar. The offerer must wash its entrails and shanks with the water. Then the priest will burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But if his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from sheep or goats, he is to present an unblemished male. He will slaughter it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. Aaron's sons, the priests, will sprinkle its blood against the altar on all sides. He will cut the animal into pieces with its head and its suet, and the priest will arrange them on top of the burning wood on the altar. But he is to wash the entrails and shanks with water. The priest will then present all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his gift to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, he is to present his offering from the turtle doves or young pigeons. Then the priest must bring it to the altar and must twist off its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood should be drained at the side of the altar. He will remove its digestive tract, cutting off the tail feathers, and throw it on the east side of the altar at the place for ashes. He will tear it open by its wings without dividing the bird. Then the priest is to burn it on the altar on top of the burning wood. It is a burnt offering, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. That is really specific on that bird. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I, I always tell people that all of the all of the sacrifices are pretty specific. That's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
All right, so suet is the raw hard fat of beef, lamb, or mutton found around the loins and kidneys. So that's what we're talking about yeah, today. The, yeah. The internal fat. Visceral fat. Is what you're not supposed to eat. And the, the fat on the back of the rump. So the then wouldn't fat. that... Hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, because it says... Yeah, you're right. Never mind. Never mind. So wait, I, I have never... a question because I'm not reading it. So you're saying that the hard fat that's on the inside is not to be burned nor to be eaten, correct? Is that no, correct? It, is that what I'm understanding? It is to be burned, not eaten. It, it is, to, it be is to be burned. Okay. Just because I remember, I remember back uh, when I was having a conversation on TikTok back last year about the fat and what that meant, and. Like, there's nothing you can do about the fat that's in the meat. And that's what some people were, like, arguing that in favor of, like, vegetarian-type deal or only lean meats that don't have fat in it. And you get your fat from things like nuts and avocado and things like that, that you didn't, you, you shouldn't eat any fat. And I was like, well, that's going to be a problem for ketosis. That's literally what I live on. Yeah. That'd be a problem for any meat eater. That'd be a problem for absorbing vitamins, like vitamin D. Am I a real world problem? Wait, all you have to do is be on that. Yeah, am I good? Okay. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. You can't absorb it without fat. Right. I'll say not only that, but... uh, like all your marbling in your beef, that's fat. Yeah, that, that was my point. So they, they were saying that's why the, if I'm not mistaken, they were saying that's why this the uh, back of the cow is not kosher, according to the, the juice. Because that's, I'm guessing it's got more fat in it and it's next to the intestines. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. There's nothing in scripture about that. I'd say that's a fence wall. I mean, the, the, when I looked and looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find anything, I was like, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not gnawing yeah. on it's gross just because it. <laughs> I like chuck roast, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we eat a ton of chuck roast, but I mean, <laughs> prepared and. Chopped up for for uh, you know made like a roast or chopped up in yeah no uh, I'll eat it. I'll eat chuck steak yeah it, they go good in the air fryer too it's just as good to me but you're right putting making it in a in a roast you know or making a stew or something like that that's it's good to have that chuck yeah I'd say it's a pencil though so that they don't you know. They, they probably incorporate that so that you don't get too close to eating the entrails or the fats of the organs that they're talking about there. But I'd say if you're, if you, <laughs> if you know how the person is butchering it or you're butchering your own animal, I don't think that it matters. Mm-hmm. Well, that would completely get rid of any kind of bird. Because their organs literally touch, like, everything in their body. So, I mean, at that point, you might as well just not eat anything off of a birdie. Yeah, I'm not, 
I'm saying I'm not saying so that's not touching. I'm saying so that they don't accidentally eat it. Oh yeah, well, I just that's silly. If I mean, if that's the practice that they want to keep, you know, they want to donate the back half of a cow. <laughs> I'll take. I'll it. take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I don't know what to do with it. What do you think? When I hear entrails, I, I think that like the the bad stuff that you can't eat, but like the heart and liver, like uh, I keep all that on the deer. Uh, you think there's anything wrong with that? Well, not on a deer. Yeah, I keep the heart and the liver. I, I cut one out last year and it, yeah, I don't know. They had some fluke-looking stuff in it, so I didn't need it. But uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I was, we're going to go to definitions now. Let's see what it says. That do y'all think that you can or can't eat liver? I know well, we I had hope. this conversation before, and I know you, I figured you'd be coming. <laughs> if I remember correctly, when it talks about the the fat of the liver, it's talking about the the there's fat a, outside of the liver. Yeah, there's a piece of fat that runs along the top part of the liver. <laughs> bowels, viscera, internal parts. It can mean intestines or it can mean all of them. Well, beef liver especially is just, I mean, it, it's very good for you. Oh, yeah. Liver king! <laughs> yeah. He's so fake. Anyway. <laughs> um, so the definition of entrails, King James says inwards, it's careb. Properly, the nearest part that is the center, whether literally, figuratively, or advertially. It says it says it's used as heart as well. You gotta worry about me eating no entrails, no poopy poop pits. I don't want no chit ones. <laughs> well, we'll have to come back to that because that is a that is a good question. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> Need that's, to gonna require, that's gonna require some word studying. 
and probably maybe some commentary too. But see what other people have come up with as well. Because that would be good to know. I, I will say this since I think the last time we had this conversation because we asked whether we're uh, supposed to eat liver or whatever. I used to eat a lot of gizzards and, and livers. I like chicken gizzards and I like chicken liver, but I haven't eaten none since we had this conversation last. So maybe it's good that we go collectively look at it, see what we can come up with. But We'll read about the Minkai now. It's Leviticus 2. It says, when anyone presents a grain offering as a gift to the Lord, his gift must consist of fine flour. He is to pour olive oil on it, put frankincense on it, and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. The priest will take a handful of fine flour and oil from it, along with all its frankincense, and will burn this memorial portion of it on the altar, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering will belong to Aaron and his sons. It is the holiest part of the fire offerings to the Lord. When you present a grain offering baked in an oven, it must be made of fine flour, either unleavened cakes mixed with oil or unleavened wafers coated with oil. If your gift is a grain offering prepared on a griddle, it must be unleavened bread <clears throat> made of fine flour mixed with oil. Break it into pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your gift is a grain offering prepared in a pan, it must be made of fine flour with oil. When you bring to the Lord the grain offering made in any of these ways, it is to be presented to the priest, and he will take it to the altar. The priest will remove the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering will belong to Aaron and his sons. It is the holiest part of the fire offerings to the Lord. No grain offering that you present. To the Lord is made with yeast, for you are not to burn any yeast or honey as a fire offering to the Lord. You may present them to the Lord as an offering of first fruits, but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. You are to season each of your grain offerings with salt. You must not omit from your grain offerings the salt of the covenant with your God. You are to present salt with each of your offerings. If you present a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you must present fresh heads of grain, crushed kernels, roasted on the fire for your grain offerings of first fruits. You are to put oil and frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest will then burn some of, the, of its crushed kernels and oil with all its frankincense as a fire offering to the Lord. Um, firstly, and this kind of ties in with what we're headed into in this current season, head of the year, Passover, all that. I think that this translation says uh, yeast. I think it's probably better interpreted as leaven. Yeah, yes, 2009 says leaven. You mean to tell me that they didn't have quick dry yeast? <laughs> That's this is why I tell people the historical context is very important. <laughs> That's why it's interesting when people trip out about the yeast and they're like, we got to get all the yeast out of your house. And it's like, that's impossible. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the back and forth side the other day. I ain't saying no names, but it ain't it's not about the yeast, it's the leaven. If you look up the word, um, 
in Exodus and when it talks about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the word leaven, which is translated as yeast here, is seor. Leaven is literally your sourdough starter. The word mm-hmm. seor means, uh, the, I think the strong says barm or leaven cakes. It's your sourdough starter. That's what you remove. Because just like you just said, it's impossible to get all of the yeast out of your house because it's naturally occurring in the air. When you go to the grocery store or you go to your, your you know, fruit of the vine, your grapes, that white film that's on them grapes, that's yeast. It's yeah. naturally occurring in the air. That's why there's these monkeys that get drunk from eating the grapes that's, um, yep. it, like, yep. that fall off. That's why when CJ, when he goes to work, if I pack him grapes, I don't pull them off the stems. I just like cut him a piece and stick it in a container because they'll start to ferment. <laughs> like as soon as you pull it and it has that moisture, that uh, juice, it'll literally start to ferment. Well, that'll give him a pet before his day. That's not a pet. <laughs> he has a zero tolerance policy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't take that literally. That child, he will not even drink kombucha. <laughs> I am. <laughs> To be honest, I'm the same way. So would you say that we don't have to take every bit of like leavened bread out of our home and stuff? Like it would just be like removing the starter from your home? I would no, I would say you still remove leavened bread. And I think I think part of the reason that you remove the starter and you remove the leavened bread is so that you're not, you know, you don't eat it. Yeah. It's already hard to when you take everything out. Let's say if you're if you're if you're sitting there and you got, you know, some leavened bread and you just your your mind could be anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. Pick it up and eat it. You're not gonna realize it until you sit down and think about it. It's ha- it happened to us. I think last year was like the first year that we actually didn't have a mess up. It's crazy because every year wow. we there would be a slip up. And the first, I think it's the first or second year we did Passover. Um, we went to South Carolina to um to founded in truth, and like because we mm-hmm. wanted to go to their Shabbat service, and we, it totally like went over our heads that it was Passover. And so they had done like their little Seder thing or whatever the night before. So they weren't having services. And so we were like on our way back and um, we hadn't prepared and stuff. And so we went ahead and stopped and got something to eat because we didn't like our kids were screaming and we didn't have anything to eat. And um, we stopped at (laughs) Chick-fil-A and I got chicken tenders, but like CJ and Cheyenne got chicken sandwiches. And we're like, we start eating. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all, you're eating bread. <laughs> I was yep. like, you're not supposed to eat bread. And Cheyenne, she was hilarious. She was like, oh no, I don't want to go to hell for eating bread. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to burn. You're going to burn, little girl. No, I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I was messing with them though. I was like totally riding them because I I didn't have bread, and so I was like, "Ha ha, y'all are going to hell, and I'm not." 
It was funny. My wife busted out when you said that. She started laughing. <laughs> She's over here reading. In the Bible, and you said that, and she just started laughing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I promise no, I'm not. Wow. I don't tell my children they're going to hell on a regular basis. <laughs> but no, seriously, like, that's... Any time that uh, me, for example, uh, I slipped up last year, and it wasn't it wasn't because of anything in my household. It's because I stopped and got um, uh, peanut butter cr- or peanut butter crackers. Of course, we had eleven. I had a whole pack, and then I didn't think about it. And then I went to open the second one. You know, sometime after or whatever, I decided to read the ingredients, and yeah, I was a little upset the rest of the day because I realized yeah. it says plain as day eleven. Like oh. Yeah, it happened to me like, so the next year at Zaxby's, and I got a salad because I was trying to be aware. But Zaxby's gives you toast with your salad, and I ate the toast, yeah. and then I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> it was bad. And see that that see that right there, because uh, you know when you when you talk to Jews or whatever. And, you know, getting into the discussion about the or law, what it is, blah, blah, blah. It's basically fence laws. And my whole argument, that right there, the removal of yeast or, you know, your, your starter and your leavened breads, that is a fence law. So if God wants fence laws, guess what? He's going to put them in the scripture. He said, mm-hmm. don't eat leavened bread. So... Just so you don't eat leavened bread, remove your starter and remove your leavened breads. That's what we did. I I hate to bring this up, but I Googled it and Chick-fil-A breading also has baking powder and yeah, baking powder in it. So it's leavened also. Is it though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just saying. I just happened to think of that. Isn't that breaded chicken? It is, it, but it's not puffy. It's I, think, I think. I think most breaded chickens. Uh, it says leaven. My my fried chicken that I made that's breaded isn't leavened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that either but i guess it makes it key fluffier it makes the breading fluffier is that leaven oh my goodness but no it's it's Try i to think that's, that's why a really safe practice you know so you don't accidentally transgress this command is probably just to eat at home. <laughs> yeah, that's a good practice anyway, if you can. Good, it is a good practice anyways. I try, I, I try not to oh. CJ's a truck driver and he stays ah. for a whole week. Meal prep. <laughs> the boy has a refrigerator in his truck. <laughs> Meal prep. I send snacks and I send like lots of beverage and stuff, but he still has to like eat meals on the road. <laughs> you can't talk. I guess, uh, I guess when it comes to that, it's, it's good to find some grocery stores. <laughs> he does sometimes. 
I'll say turn down that temptation to stop the local McDonald's and go to the, the local grocery store and get you something. <laughs> Do what, babe? So do we throw the stuff away that we don't eat up before then? Or can we... So this is the question I've been asked. And I've, I've always told people, like, throw it away or get rid of it, like, because we're... I I always looked at it like leaven it represents sin and you wouldn't just like box your sin up and put it aside for a week and then pick it right back up. Correct. I agree with that. Because I've had so friends you... think, oh, I just like my 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 relative over here doesn't do it. So I left my food with them or I put my stuff in the garage and then I bring it to the house. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, like I didn't think head. about that. That's a pretty good point. Um, so if you go through and look at I'm trying to find a good passage to find this um, definition but it says you shall put away leaven and the word is <laughs> it's Shabbat that's funny um, it says repose that is desist from exertion Used in many implied relations, cease, celebrate, cause to fail, keep, suffer to be lacking, leave, put away. That can't be the right word. Hang on a second there. Cause leaven to cease. Yeah. You should put away leaven under your house. Let me get my linegar because it'll probably help. So the one argument I heard was like people passed down their starters and like if they were throwing away their starters and kept Passover, like they wouldn't have like these hundred year old starters that they're passing down and stuff like that. But like, it, oh yeah, do you have to throw away like, your scobies and stuff? Is that like? I would say that? you definitely. Um, throw out your starter. That's what the leaven is. Yeah. When he says leaven, that's what he's talking about. So you don't set it in the garage or give it to your Aunt Bessie to give back to you. Your Aunt Bessie's supposed to be throwing it away too. Get rid of it. If you put a wife away, you don't bring her back. I guess that is the right. I guess that is the right word there.
Oh, yeah, that's stimulating conversation. This is gripping. I'm with edge my feet. Look at that word. This is the intermission music. I just sorry. I just found a Christian metal station today. I can turn it on. <laughs> oh, you want some good Christian metal? I'll send you a song after this. Send away. That's the only music I listen to. I was actually depressed because I I quit listening to Slipknot. I finally had to give in and. <laughs> And uh, oh, I couldn't I thought the lead singer of Slipknot like became a Christian. Oh no. That's oh, it was Corn. Uh, one of the members of Corn. Yeah, I think uh Brian Welch. Yeah, the dude with the, the uh yeah. dreadlocks, yeah. Yeah, it was a good oh. testimony. It's I mean I think it's <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. All right. First of all, I want to point out that I like you more every day. So, um <laughs> second of all. <laughs> Well, appreciate uh, it. <laughs> I believe that when it says cease, you know, or cause no leaven to be found, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, the word is like synonymous with to destroy or put out. You know, that's another word we'll look up here in a second. But I, I literally take it as all of the leaven is to be removed. Period. And I like your comparison that you just said that it's the same as sin. You don't just set it aside to where it's like, oh, I can pick this up a little bit later. No, you get rid of it. Yeah. So, oh, Mike is back. Um, so, so we'll move on to chapter three <laughs> after the long. Amish, and whatnot. You look kind of Amish. You're giving me Amish vibes. <laughs> 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 if, you, if you change the cat to a little bit. Does it have a mustache? <laughs> yes, he has a mustache. It's just blonde. Joey! <laughs> Need that brother. I like your content, Joey. What's that? I like your content on your channel. Oh, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, you want me to grow my beard back, huh? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Gotta gotta have it. Grow your beard back and open your Bible to Leviticus chapter three. <laughs> Jeez. All right, now we're going to talk about the fellowship offering. It says, if his offering is a fellowship sacrifice and he is presenting an animal from the herd, whether male or female, he must present one without blemish before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, will sprinkle the blood on all sides of the altar. He will present part of the fellowship sacrifice as a fire offering to the Lord. The fat surrounding the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat on them at the loins, he will also remove the fatty lobe of the liver with the kidneys. Aaron's sons will burn it on the altar along with the burnt offering that is on the burning wood, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. 
If his offering as a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord is from the flock, he must present a male or female without blemish. If he is presenting a lamb for his offering, he is to, pre he is to present it before the Lord. He must lay his hand on the head of his offering, then slaughter it before the tent of meeting. Aaron's sons will sprinkle its blood on all sides of the altar. He will present part of the fellowship sacrifice as a fire offering to the Lord, consisting of its fat and its entire fat tail, which he is to remove close to the backbone. He will also remove the fat surrounding the entrails, all the fat on the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat on them at the loins, and the fatty lobe of the liver above the kidneys. Then the priest will burn the food on the altar as a fire offering to the Lord. If his offering is a goat, he is to pre present it before the Lord. He must lay his hand on its head and slaughter it before the tent of meeting. Aaron's sons will sprinkle its blood on all sides of the altar. He will present part of his fire offering as a fire offering, or part of his offering as a fire offering to the Lord. The fat surrounding the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat on them at the loins. He will also remove the fatty lobe of the liver with the kidneys. Then the priest will burn the food on the altar as a fire offering for a pleasing aroma. All fat belongs to the Lord. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations. Wherever you live, you must not eat any fat or blood. And that's where we was talking about the fatty lobe of the liver. Now, I've definitely cut a bunch of those off. Yeah. It, it just, it doesn't even look good. <laughs> they say if you cook the, like on a deer, I had a friend that was a wildlife biologist and she said, don't eat that because it's got, it can have liver flukes. Well, liver flukes are killed by like anything else, Giardia or anything like that that can be killed at 165 or 70 degrees by cooking thoroughly. So I was going to try it, but I, after she said that, like I couldn't make myself do it. So I just stick to beef liver. As of right now, I just stay away from liver at all. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm I'm not for certain, but I, I typically until I figure something out, I, I try to stay in a safe spot. <laughs> that's true, but I guess I guess that's where the you know the fence laws came from too, trying to stay too safe without I mean No, I I agree, but that's why I say I'm I I I'm not out here saying that you guys should be doing that or nothing like that. Yeah. Just for me personally, if if there's something that I question or I'm not positive of, I typically just don't, you know, mess with it for a little while. Yeah, it's best to err on the side, on that side. And it's not like it comes about that often anyway. I mean, Nope. But it's not like I go buy it. It's, I got it with the cow. So yeah. there's, I think, one package left. Blech. And Shanna's not going to eat it with me because I just got a bleh out of her. So Yeah, I just heard that. There's a few things that I'd probably eat. My wife would do the same thing. I know she don't like chicken liver. Uh, 
Gizzards are good. I love gizzards. I like chick gizzards and I like liver, but I'm not positive on those two things just yet. So I've I've put them aside for the time being. <laughs> I don't like any of those things. Liver, well, oh man! I was never into it. It's never into it. I had. We, I've never I ate liver and stuff. I just looked at it. It's supposed to be really, really healthy for you. I have. I've eaten I've eaten liver, multiple different things, but that's well it's on a if you're on a carnivore, a true carnivore diet where you're not eating anything but basically red meat, some fish, but you've gotta have the the electrolytes that you get from organ meats. But but I'm not. I'm on keto, so I get veggies and stuff like that too. So grass clippings. Yeah, grass clippings, as my wife puts it. I like vegetables. There's uh, different stages of carnivore. There's different stages of carnivore. There's the like extreme where you're just like eating meat, drinking water, and you have your salt. And then yep. there's and you can, even with that, you can still have herbs and stuff. Like, you can season your food with meat. But um, <laughs> then you have your, well, you can eat any kind of meat, like animal product and stuff. Um, but on the strict one, they tell you don't eat, like, ruminant um, meats, like lamb and beef, deer, goat, that kind of and it's interesting because some of some of the recommendations for that one say no pork. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's a, a fairly safe bet that you can't go wrong staying away from pork. Even if you're chilling in Babylon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was I gonna say? I'm not I'm not gonna eat anything that doesn't sweat. Well, all right. <laughs> Would you eat me if we were starving? I don't know. Uh, Chickens don't sweat. Well, well, technically we could. I mean, the food laws are done away with, right? Yeah, right. Some people, I mean, mean, food laws done away with. I mean, like humans. Oh, stop it. Look, before we go any further, Acts 10 and 11 is talking about people. Romans 14, the beginning of the passage is talking about fasting. You'll not see anything about Sabbath. And when he's talking about the foods, it's talking about foods that's acceptable. The end of the passage is talking about foods that are sacrificed to idols. Mark 7 does not include that Jesus uh, declared all foods clean. If you want further information on that, you can go to, what is it, Matthew 14, 13, 14? 15. 15, I was close. I got those memorized because I have many conversations about that. That's 
that's typically how I memorize stuff going back. That's why I went back into the trenches here recently. See the, yeah. the funny part is that uh, they they always they they never go to Matthew first because Matthew clearly states that it, yeah. it ends the conversation with but eating with unwashed hands does not defile you. Yep. Mark does not end that way. That's Mark right. is, is ambiguous, so it's easy to make that claim with Mark. But I always throw in Matthew fifteen because it. And if you want further. Um, with Acts, they just want to lead off at like, oh, look, he came down wondering what this dream was about <laughs> they don't, or this vision was about. And just, they don't want to keep going any farther. Yeah. You want further? Or, the, or no, actually, they where, he, where um, he's told, don't call um, what I declared clean, unclean. And then they're like, see? See? <laughs> Some tr more studious individuals will say that it's about both. They'll say that he is talking about people, but he's also talking about food. And I'm like, I don't see how you get that. But if you want more information on Mark 7 and Matthew 15, or he's talking about the unwashed hands and stuff, there was this belief that if you ate your food with unwashed hands, there was an evil spirit that dwelled on your hands called Shipta or Ship Shufat. I don't freaking remember how to say it. You probably should say either. it anyways. Uh, but lived on your hands <laughs> and that if you ate your food without washing them ceremonially that it would enter your body and this is specifically why Messiah says to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man I had learned that after I found out that Mark 7 does not include that Jesus declared all foods clean. No, it, it's in parentheses. It's clearly not in the original text. I pay attention to every single thing that's italicized and in parentheses now. <laughs> My yeah, question is for anyone who says that Acts 10 is about both the food and people, then why was Peter so adamant that he hadn't ever eaten any of that if Yeshua had already declared uh, pork to be clean in Mark? Yeah. yeah. That's usually where I would begin my, my rebuttal. <laughs> I'm still trying to find out. the. My mother-in-law is saying that there is a somewhere in the bible where it says that some guy was going somewhere and he was really hungry and god appeared to him and told him that when he got there he could eat the pork that they were serving and she says that if you're eating at someone's house you're not supposed to um like decline any food that they offer you yeah i don't remember seeing none of that uh, um, how do I mute my mic? You push the microphone button in the bottom left hand side of your screen. Yeah, you might have to um press the hatred <laughs> to press the screen um at the bottom left. Yeah, it's not letting me do that. Justin, I don't want my I can there you go, you figured it out. There you go. Okay, is it is it off? No, we no. can hear it. Well, not anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, tap your screen you and go. then that microphone pop. There you go. You pop. Yeah. All right. Oh, by the way, we're about to start uh, Leviticus chapter four. We're going to talk about the sin offering. No.
I think this path is very important. <clears throat> we gotta turn the water off today. Supposed to get down. We're good. 20 seconds. All right. <clears throat> then the Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites when someone sins unintentionally against any of the Lord's commands and does anything prohibited by them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he is to present to the Lord a young unblemished bull as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He must bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of, to the tent of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. The anointed priest must then take some of the bull's blood and bring it into the tent of meeting. The priest is to dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. The priest must apply some of the blood to the horns of the altar of fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. He must pour out the rest of the bull's blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to remove all the fat from the bull of the sin offering, the fat surrounding the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat on them at the loins. He will also remove the fatty lobe of the liver with the kidneys, just as the fat is removed from the ox of the fellowship sacrifice. The priest is to burn them on the altar of burnt offering, but the hide of the bull and all its flesh and its head and shanks and its entrails and dome all the rest of the bull he must bring to a ceremonially clean place outside the camp, to the ash heap, and must burn it on wood on a wood fire. It is to be burned at the ash heap. Now, if the whole community of Israel errs, and the matter escapes the notice of the assembly, so that they violate any of the Lord's commands and incur guilt by doing what is prohibited, then the assembly must present a young bull as a sense offering. When they sin, they have, or when the sin they have committed in regard to the command becomes known, they are to bring it before the tent of meeting. The elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord, and, is, and it is to be slaughtered before the Lord. The anointed priest will bring some of the bull's blood into the tent of meeting. The priest is to dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. He is to apply some of the blood to the horns of the altar that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. He must pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar, a burnt offering that is at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to remove all the fat from it and burn it on the altar. He is to offer this bull just as he did with the bull in the sin offering. He will offer it in the same way. So the priest will make atonement on their behalf and they will be forgiven. Then he will bring the bull outside the camp and burn it just as he had burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. When a leader sins and unintentionally violates any of the commands of the Lord his God by, by doing what is prohibited and incurs guilt, or someone informs him about the sin he has committed, he is to bring an unblemished male goat as his offering. He is to lay his hand on the head of the goat, goat and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest must take some of the blood from the sin offering from his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. The rest of its blood he must pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. He must burn all its fat on the altar like the fat of the fellowship sacrifice. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf for that person's sin 
and he will be forgiven. Now, if any of the common people sins unintentionally by violating one of the Lord's commands, does what is prohibited and incurs guilt, or if someone informs him about the sin he has committed, then he has to bring an unblemished female goat as his offering for the sin that he has committed. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest must take some of its blood with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He must pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. He is to remove all its fat just as the fat is removed from the fellowship sacrifice. The priest is to burn it on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf and he will be forgiven. Or if, if the offering that he brings as a, as a sin offering is a lamb, he is to bring an unblemished female. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it as a sin offering at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest must take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He must pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. He is to remove all its fat, just as the fat of the lamb is removed from the fellowship sacrifice. The priest will burn it on the altar, along with the fire offerings to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf for the sin he has committed, and he will be forgiven. A lot of tongue twisters. Not as bad as numbers, though. I just had an, uh, a talk with someone the other day about what was the worst in the Bible to read. And I think that one won. <laughs> what I just read? No, num numbers. Oh, yeah, numbers. It's yeah. just, it's, it's literally numbers. Like, There's some really good stuff in there, too. I you have to post all the numbers. Hearing well, Bear read it is really funny. I, yeah, I like Bear. Well, Bear's the reason why I started to enjoy it. Um, I think it was what, last year when he started doing the uh, men's group Mondays and doing the core portions. Um, he said that someone posed a um, an alternative idea about what he was reading. And it made him enjoy it more. And so he shared it with everybody else. And that's what he said. If you read it like it is military plans, you're more engaged because it's not just, and there was 4,000 people from this place and this place had 4,000 people and this one had 6,000. And now it's like, okay, he's giving you battle plans. These specific people are going to be on the west side. These specific people are going to be on the south side. These specific people are going to be on the east side. 
you know, and then this person moves out first, followed by this person, and then these people follow over here. He's giving you battle plans. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to ask my son to do that for me when we go through that book. Because <laughs> I have ADD, OCD, and my son is military, so maybe he could make it a little more interactive for me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, to me, that I always it always makes me think of Exodus 15.3. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He's a, he's a man of battle. He's, he's a, a, a mighty general. Whenever you see the, the Lord of hosts, you know, in, in our modern Bibles, yeah. That's that he's he's the commander of hosts. Yeah, he of is armies. the the general of a mighty army. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's even defined as that the host uh in the in the King James where they use host is is actually uh one of the words in the Oxford English dictionary is army. Yeah, well, because that's you know, the like even the Romans they had you know, they would have different hosts of armies. And like, like when uh, host of angels was, is yeah. literally an army of angels. Host of and that's, that's what I was about to say. When, when Messiah said, I can call a host of angels, you know, what does it say? I can call 12, 12 hosts of angels. That's, it's, it's, you know, many factions of angels. You're talking about, more than what even the Romans had then, and the Romans were considered, you know, very mighty at that point. So, I likes it. It definitely uh, likes it a it lot. Ma- <laughs> it makes things more, more better. <laughs> I like it. More better. More better, it does. It, it makes does. It more better. It does when you, uh, like you said, context matters. And when you, when you, when you describe the Lord as in a gen- in a uh, military fashion, it does inspire confidence. And you know, to me, it does. It makes it. It, it sounds stronger. It sounds, you know, ready to defeat the forces of evil. Yeah. There you go. It gives it, it 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 backs up the idea of him being what the Almighty. Yep. <laughs> Plus, spoiler alert: he wins. So, yeah. Yep. I read that. <laughs> All right, we'll end with. Leviticus chapter 5 says, when someone sins in any of these ways, if he has seen, heard, or known about something he has witnessed and did not respond to a public call to testify, he is responsible for his sin. Or if someone touches anything unclean, a carcass of an unclean wild animal or unclean livestock or an unclean swarming creature without being aware of it, he is unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, any uncleanness by which one can become defiled without being aware of it, but later recognizes it, he is guilty. Or if someone swears rashly to do what is good or evil concerning anything a person may speak rashly in an oath with or without being aware of it, but later recognizes it, he incurs guilt 
in such an instance. If someone incurs guilt in one of these cases, he is to confess he has committed that sin. He must bring his restitution for the sin he has committed to the Lord, a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering, and this way the priest will make atonement on his behalf for the sin. But if he cannot afford an animal from the flock, he may bring the Lord two turtle doves or two young pigeons as restitution for his sin, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. He is to bring them to the priest who will first present the one for the sin offering. He must twist its head at the back of the neck without severing it. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar while the rest of the blood is to be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. He must prepare the second bird as a burnt offering according to the regulation. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf for the sin he has committed, and he will be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two young pigeons, he may bring two quarts of fine flour as an offering for his sin. He must not put olive oil or frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. He is to bring it to the priest, who will take a handful from it as, a, as its memorial portion and burn it on the altar along with the fire offering to the Lord. It is a sin offering. <clears throat> in this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf concerning the sin he has committed in any of these cases, and he will be forgiven. The rest will belong to the priest like the grain offering. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, if someone offends by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, he must bring his restitution offering to the Lord, an unblemished ram from the flock, based on your assessment of its value in silver shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel, as a restitution offering. He must make restitution for his sin regarding any holy thing, adding a fifth of its value to it, and give it to the priest. Then the priest will make atonement on his behalf with the ram of the restitution offering, and he will be forgiven. If someone sins and without knowing it violates any of the Lord's commands, Concerning anything prohibited, he bears the consequences of his guilt. He must bring an unblemished ram from the flock according to your assessment of its value as a restitution offering to the priest. Then the priest will make atonement on his behalf for the error he has committed unintentionally, and he will be forgiven. And as a restitution offering, he is indeed guilty before the Lord. Number one thing I want to um, point out. That passage right there shows just how merciful the father is. Um, it starts off by saying, you know, you bring the lamb or the goat. Then he says, if you cannot afford these things, then you can bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Then he says, if you cannot afford that, then you bring uh, fine flour. He makes a way. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And it's uh, the fine flour. I was looking at that one day, and like supposedly the the finer flour, the finer the flour is ground. Of course, you're doing it by hand, and that requires more work and longer. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that it, it means more. Also, verse two, um, if someone touches anything unclean, a carcass of an unclean wild animal or livestock. That's uh, I struggle with that a little bit because I, I like to trap and sometimes I have to trap because I have beavers that cause problems. Um, 
And anyway, so you got any thoughts on that? Living a sin, it's okay for you to do those things because we have to touch a dead carcass to clean the animal when we're going to cook it. So uh, you just uncleaned it. You washed Leviticus okay. 11 speaks to this. Yeah. If you if you pay attention, it says if they touch anything, yada yada yada, without being aware of it, he is unclean and guilty. If you're aware of it, what are the requirements for that? These Wash. will make you unclean, starting in 24. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening, and whoever carries any of their carcasses must wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. Yeah, and, and I understand that, that 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 meant you couldn't be in the presence, you know. So at the time, you couldn't go in the temple or the tent of meeting. Or I, I get that, but like we're supposed to be the temple now, so the, I would think the uncleanness would be a little different. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird in my head. Maybe my head's weird. It is. <laughs> my wife loves me I do but anyway yeah I, I struggled with that a little bit of course I hadn't had any trouble this year hadn't had to do it so I might have to start screaming that to myself sometimes <laughs> it, it helps deal with it <laughs> I'm a I'm going to start calling that a remembrance offering to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever she says something, I'll just start screaming. My wife loves me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. A little, little inner peace there. But I can't let your head get too big. There you go. Um, well... I don't know that. Um, that's a good question. So, um, I was. It's weird that we're talking about this right now because, um, doesn't it say that if it dies and somebody eats it, or like they touch it and then they eat it, like wouldn't that mean like if it dies of itself? Yeah. Yeah. Like not slaughtered and like what we do to eat the animals, like um, because the Levitical priests, they had to slaughter, they had to sacrifice the animals, so they had to slaughter it, right? So they had to maintain ritual purity. Yeah, but I think that's, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be slaughtering a, an unclean animal. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it, it even talks about animals that are clean if they die of their self. But I think yeah, that, that goes back to the aspect that you're not you're not supposed to eat blood. And when you don't drain the blood out of an animal, that blood's gonna, you know, it coagulates inside that animal. Now you have yeah, dried blood. That's what I was saying, because on that one part, um, I can't remember exactly the verse, but it says if the animal dies. So if it dies of itself and we're not draining out the blood and we just like, we're not supposed to eat things that die of itself, right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 So, if somebody does eat that, that's what would make it, uh, well, touch it. That would, that's what would make 
us unclean, not the fact that we slaughtered it for food or for a sacrifice. As far as I know, somebody welcome to chime in here. Yeah, because um, we've actually spoken about this in three different groups right now. This is the third one right now. Wow. <laughs> A popular wow. subject, these, these slaughter offerings. Meanwhile, I get ridiculed for saying anything about sacrifices. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was the reason why I said, like, it, it says if the animal dies of, of its own or dies, it didn't say anything about, like, um, slaughtering it or giving it for sacrifice. And we know that the priest had, to, the Levitical priest had to keep um, a certain amount of cleanness. So if we were slaughtering an animal for us to eat it, that would also make them unclean because they were touching the carcass. But if the animal dies of itself, that would explain it, um, why we would be unclean for touching that carcass. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably stay away from anything that died of itself. Other mm -hmm. than <laughs> well, yeah, well, because like when my animals died, I have um, some dogs and cats that have died on me. And um, one thing that I was saying is that they pretty much would have to have a way to get rid of animals that happen to die on their own. You would have to move it out. Otherwise, I mean, there'd be all kinds of dead things everywhere in the streets and mm -hmm. stuff. So like it would have to be a way to clean out wherever they were living. So that's why it's only clean, unclean until evening after you wash. Yeah. Makes sense. Say, the, the, the whole point of the passage in uh, Leviticus 5 there is if you, um, you aren't aware of it. If you don't, you know, immediately go, you know, wash and be unclean until the evening, if you forget to do the purification right, then it is a sin because you have transgressed another sin concerning what it just said. So if you do the first one, you know, like we I don't I don't reckon we have wild boars out here, but if we did, you know, wild boar comes up or even all right, we'll talk about like raccoons, stuff like that. That's 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 a common thing. Raccoon comes in the barn. <laughs> tries to attack my chickens I, I blow its head off which has happened before <laughs> you remove that raccoon and then you do what you go and you wash yourself and you're unclean until the evening but if i didn't if i was just you know got carried away and and you know something happened or whatever and, and i didn't do that purification right then it became a sin because i transgressed another command in regards to the proper way to handle that situation, which would have been to remove the animal, and then I am unclean until I go and wash. And who wouldn't? In reality, like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, if it if it's first thing in the morning, you know, and and you know, say you're at work and something happens, you know, and whatever, <laughs> you know, or you move an animal out of the road, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and you forget, so it can become a sin because you forgot to do the purification ritual, which was, you know, that's where we get the idea of the mikvah, by the way, or the, the baptism is the mikvah, to wash and be unclean until evening. You're yeah, because even, 
even in Leviticus 11, I can't remember what verse exactly. I know it's after verse 32. I know it's down in that area where it starts talking about if the carcasses touch you, what you have to do and everything. And it also talks about like a clean animal. If it dies of itself and you touch it and somebody eats it, then it's the same purification ritual. Yeah. You were correct, man. And that's where Leviticus comes in handy. And I wish that most people or more people understood Leviticus because it's, they think the baptism is, is just, you know, a New Testament concept. No. <laughs> oh, they also think that the Holy Spirit is a New Testament concept as well. I just found that out. Yeah, my boy here had me do a word study. I did a word study <laughs> on spirit and, uh, Man, <laughs> man, let me, I showed Shanna today, or was it this morning? Yeah. Yeah. On that logos chart that it has on that particular word study, it's a, like a pie chart. And I mean, it is all over the Old Testament, the, the concept of spirit. I mean, it's, it's, it's more prevalent in, in the Old Testament than it is in the New, which it's bigger, you know, longer, but yeah. Yep. Word studies are fun. Yeah, oh, they yeah. really are. And I just, uh, I uh, found somebody who has a Septuagint that me and her, well, it's the same um, publisher and everything because they have the Lexham and they have the Breton. Well, I happen to have a Breton and she has a Breton. And since we both have it, we've been going through um, let's not to look through all of it um, and like to see it through the Septuagint instead of the Masoretic it's just boom it's, it's like a whole other the things they've changed a lot of stuff they did we can go through some of that stuff here, here for too long if you want to um, I'm game but I'm gonna buy one like Micah's got which one I is yours which I one? Got, what? I got a Breton Septuagint. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a Breton as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the one that I have. Yeah. But I know that a lot of people are looking at the Lexham, but the Breton, the Breton, I think, is the older one. My understanding, there's like multiple different versions of the Septuagint. Um I think there's mm-hmm. like there's so many different ones, but the thing that's so peculiar about the, the Septuagint is they're all within 95% accuracy of each other. And they don't eat So they're pretty close together. <laughs> yeah, because I actually want to try and get as many of them as I do as I can. Yeah, I, I did the same thing with the just the regular Bible, too. I, I tried to get as many. Um, actually, hold it. You should uh, grab your Septuagint and turn the bell in the dragon. Yeah, that's where we're going now. I'm going. Oh, 
Sorry, my dog started growling. But yeah, I like to have as many different translations as I can of them. All of the scriptures that I can get of the Father's word. And that's my obsession. I don't go to other, like, yeah, no Talmudic teachings. (laughs) I'll stick with his word and his word alone. Yep. Yep. You know what I realized in that 1830 Bible we got? The commentator, like basically it's just a whole bunch of commentary. That's what it is. And I realized it was easier to understand them back than it is today. They were so much, they spoke so much simpler, man. And then, uh, uh. It's so much simpler. They didn't use like a million big words in there. They just used like, they used some big words, but they, you can understand everything they're saying. You don't have to look up the vocabulary of that word. Not not so much in the text itself, but in the in the commentary. Now the text like our Bibles. Yeah, that's what I mean. Though I mean, you you would be dealing with the that's, King James text, which is hard enough. But but the commentary, yeah, I, I can see that being easier. Yeah, it's like ten times easier than it is like today, and way people do commentary. Oh man, yeah. I like I got study Bibles laying all over the place, and it's just sometimes it it's just it's like they're just trying to say something, just to have something to say. Like it's not even it's some like Captain Obvious stuff with a bunch of big words in it. Well, this, this guy that did this Bible, Tom, I think it's Scott something. Thomas, Thomas Scott, I think, but he. The amount of cross references he gives is insane. So many cross references. He uses so much scripture to like back up his points. It's pretty cool. Definitely a Trinitarian, though. You using the Septuagint or the the Suffer right now, Seth? Aren't you? No, I'm in the uh, NRSV New Interpreter Study Bible. Yeah, with, with Apocrypha. That's what I'm about to read out of the NRSV. But I, like it. I was curious because either I'm going to hand my wife another Bible, or she's going to have to. <laughs> We're going to go find this fork. She's trying to find Bell and the Dragon and stuff. I figured somebody was using it. I can. They can tell me what page it was on. Uh, love you, Janie. And CJ. Love you guys. She didn't get tabs with hers, so it's not indicated. Oh, I like the tabs in mine. Yeah. She has, she bought like some. She found it. She bought some secondary ones, and of course, not every <laughs> not every tab set you get comes with the powerful tabs. But right. right. 
Bell and the Dragon, which is actually an addition to, um, not addition, this was a part of Daniel. Um, Chapter 14 of the Greek version of Daniel. There you go. Which they uh, so kindly removed for whatever reason. But it says, <clears throat> How he say Hestiages? We'll just say that when King Hestiages, Hestiages was laid to rest with his ancestors, Cyrus the Persian succeeded to his kingdom. Daniel was a companion of the king and was the most honored of all his friends. Now the Babylonians had an idol called Bel, and every day they provided for it twelve bushels of choice flour and forty sheep and six measures of wine. The king revered it and went every day to worship it, but Daniel worshiped his own God. So the king said to him, why do you not worship Bel? He answered, because I do not revere idols made with hands, but the living God who created heaven and earth and has dominion over all creatures. The king said to him, do you not think that Bel is a living God? Do you not see how much he eats and drinks every day? And Daniel laughed, rightfully so. <laughs> and said, do not be deceived, O king, for this thing is only clay inside and bronze outside, and it never ate or drank anything. Then the king was angry and called the priests of Bel and said to them, if you do not tell me who is eating these provisions, you shall die. But if you prove that Bel is eating them, Daniel shall die, because he has spoken blasphemy against Bel. Daniel said to the king, let it be done as you have said. Now there were 70 priests of Bel besides their wives and children. So the king went with Daniel into the temple of Bel. The priests of Bel said, see, we are going, are now going outside. You yourself, O king, set out the food and prepare the wine and shut the door and seal it with your signet. Then you when you return in the morning, if you do not find that Bel has eaten at all, we will die. Otherwise, Daniel will, who is telling lies about us. They were unconcerned for beneath the table. They had made a hidden entrance though or through which they used to go in regularly and consume the, the provisions. After they had gone out, the king set out the food for Bill. Then Daniel ordered his servants to bring ashes, and they scattered them throughout the whole temple in the presence of the king alone. Then they went out, shut the door, and sealed it with the, the king's signet and departed. During the night, the priests came, as usual, with their wives and children, and they ate and drank everything. Early in the morning, the king rose and came, and Daniel with him. The king said, Are the seals unbroken, Daniel? He answered, They are unbroken, O king. As soon as the doors were opened, the king looked at the table and shouted in a loud voice, You are great, O Bel, and in you there is no deceit at all. But Daniel laughed and restrained the king from going in. Look at the floor, he said, and notice whose footprints these are. The king said, I see the footprints of men and women and children. Then the king was enraged, and he arrested the priests and their wives and children. They showed him the secret doors through which they used to enter to consume what was on the table. There before the king put them to death and gave Bel over to Daniel, who destroyed it and its temple. Doggone. I kind of I kind of see why they... Might well took that one out. That's pretty powerful. 
<laughs> yeah. Don't be messing around with idols. Don't be messing around with idols. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes me think of uh, when the Ark of the Covenant was put in the prisons of Dagon. And they it, it kept getting knocked over and kept picking it back up or whatever. And then finally, it, you know, fell over and shattered. <laughs> That's the story that I was thinking about, too. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day about idols and how that idols are different now in that you know there's probably not a whole lot of people that's worshiping statues or whatever. I mean they may be, I don't know, but I think idol worship nowadays is 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 ourselves ourselves, the individuals we see on TV, mm-hmm. politicians. <laughs> yeah, definitely that. That is poison in itself right now. I agree. That's actually the reason I got off Facebook the first time was the election. <laughs> I was in a same like I was in an argument every other day about something well don't engage she says don't engage Uh, I can't do that I have a hard time not engaging some things sometimes but that's okay. If I said everything that I wanted to say, I'd be mad all the time. Yeah, that's true. I have gotten better about just letting stuff be. Mm-hmm. Like Friday night, you know, we're, we're Sabbath and I've been going back and forth with an individual talking about the whole eleven thing and you know what? I'm not even going to open the messages anymore. I don't care. It's almost Sabbath. Forget it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. <laughs> right. Just walk away. That's right. Just walk away. All right. We're going to Isaiah now. I'm there, bro. 4321 through 4423. That was a good one. The whole book of Isaiah is good. Yeah. Mm, it's yeah, it's, it's second favorite. Becoming, it's becoming one of my favorites. Acts is my other favorite. I love that. Yeah, that's definitely the part. I like the book of Acts, too. All right. So the people I formed for myself will declare my praise. But Jacob, you have not called on me because Israel 
you have become weary of me. You have not brought me your sheep or burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with incense. You have not bought me aromatic cane with silver or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. It is I who sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Take me to court. Let us argue our case together. State your case so that you may be vindicated. Your, your first father sinned and your mediators have rebelled against me. So I defiled the officers of the sanctuary and set Jacob apart for destruction and Israel for abuse. Oh, I'm glad I included Isaiah 1 in this. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. We'll get through to 23 and then we're going to go back to Isaiah 1. And now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is the word of the Lord, your maker who formed you from the womb. He will help you. Do not fear. Jacob is my servant. I have chosen Jeshurun. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They will sprout among the grass like poplars by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. This is what the Lord, the King of Israel, and its Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, says, I am the first, and the, I am the last. There is no God but me. Who, who like me, can announce the future? Let him say so and make a case before me. Since I have established an ancient people, let these gods declare the coming things and what will take place. Do not be startled or afraid. Have I not told you and declared it long ago you are my witnesses is there any god but me there is no other rock i do not know any all who make idols are nothing and what they treasure does not profit their witnesses do not see or know anything so they will be put to shame who makes a god or casts a metal image for no profit look all its worshipers will be put to shame and the craftsmen are humans and they or they all will be they all will assemble and stand. They all will be startled and put to shame. The iron worker labors over the coals, shapes the idol with hammers, and works it with his strong arm. Also, he grows hungry and his strength fails. He doesn't drink water and is faint. The woodworker stretches out a measuring line. He outlines it with a stylus. He shapes it with chisels and outlines it with a compass. He makes it according to a human likeness, like a beautiful person. To dwell in a temple, he cuts down cedars for his use or takes a cypress or an oak. <clears throat> he lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a laurel and the rain makes it grow. He serves as fuel for a man or it serves as fuel for a man. He takes some of it and warms, him, warms himself. Also, he kindles a fire and bakes bread. He even makes it into a god and worships it. He makes an idol from it and bows down to it. He burns half of it in a fire, and he roasts meat on that half. He eats the roast and is satisfied. He warms himself and says, ah, I am warm. I see the blaze. He makes a god or his idol with the rest of it. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it, save me, for you are my god. 
Such people do not comprehend and cannot understand. For he has shut their eyes, so they cannot see, and their minds, so they cannot understand. No one reflects. No one has the perception or insight to say, I burned half of it in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and ate. I will make something detestable with the rest of it, and I will bow down to a block of wood. He feeds on ashes. He de his deceived mind has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, Isn't there a lie in my right hand? Remember these things, Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, Israel. You will never be forgotten by me. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Rejoice, heavens, for the Lord has acted. Shout, depths of the earth. Break out into singing, mountains, forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorif glorifies himself through Israel. Dang, that about made me cry. <laughs> I ain't even kidding, man. Good Lord. Yeah, that's a... She read it this morning out of the ESV. And uh, I was noticing the differences. Uh, cuts down cedars for his use. Takes a cypress or an oak. He plants a laurel. That's a pine, I suppose. Didn't it say pine this morning? I think it said pine. Versus it's the everlasting trees. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, you know, reminds me of Isaiah 13. It talks about um, the, the evergreens or the mm -hmm. cypress, whatever, will rejoice because there's no more woodworker to cut it down. What's the number? 43, last part of 4314. <clears throat> well, maybe it was 44. Yeah, that's why. I I'll say it would have been 44. It's, yeah, 4414. You're right on the verse. Cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak, lets it grow strong. He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Oh, never mind. Cedar. He does say pine somewhere. Hold on. Well, anyway. Because I remember reading that. He said, he said, I will bow down to a block of wood. <laughs> What's that? Was that, uh, that's funny. Yeah, he has planted a pine and the rain nourishes it. TS2009 says pine. Um, yeah, there's a pine on there somewhere. Maybe I was following you. In mine, that's what it was. I was following you in mine. I was reading the NRSV. Okay. Anyway. Well, you had me. I think you had me read it in another version too. I like pine because I collect pine knots. Mm 
they're really pretty, but they start fires really well too. I'm going to go to Isaiah 1. And that's funny because people definitely uh, misinterpret this whole chapter. Yeah, it was in this one. All right, we're there. Isaiah 1. <clears throat> Yeshayahu. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. O sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned, they have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. Why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? The whole head is hurt and the whole heart is sick. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, no spot is uninjured. Wounds, welts, and festering sores not cleansed, bandaged or soothed with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Foreigners devour your fields before your very eyes. A desolation demolished by foreigners. Daughter Zion is abandoned like a shelter and a vineyard, like a shack and a cucumber field like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, a remnant, we would be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are all your sacrifices to me? Asked the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths, the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. I'm going to pause right there. Because I'm sure everybody in here has um, heard 15 different interpretations of this passage. Yep. And uh, I, I guess I, I give you mine. So most of the time, starting right there with about, about verse 11 says, what are all your sacrifices to me? I've had enough of your burnt offerings and rams. He's basically saying he doesn't want the sacrifices. And then he says, stop bringing useless offerings. Your new moons and Sabbaths, they're detestable to me. The calling of the solemn assemblies, they have become a burden to him. Most people will say that he doesn't require these things anymore. They're done away with. They'll use this in comparison with the New Testament. 
Um, and I've even heard people in the, the Torah community say that this is about pagan holidays. No, nope. I think the proper interpretation of this is these are his new moons and Sabbaths. These are his sacrifices. These are his festivals that he has prescribed. And he's tired of them. The reason why, which if we continue on, which most people don't, is explained. Um, it's because they have become sinful. Instead of doing these things in the proper manner, you know, coming to present these offerings, being un, you know, unblemished or with a circumcised heart for the right reasons to, you know, to actually seek repentance and and turn back to what you're supposed to be doing they're not doing that they're just saying oh, i can just you know i can bring this lamb i can check off these little boxes i can do these uh festivals and then the rest of the time i can just live however i want to which is exactly what we see going on in the world today <laughs> i, I agree I want, as long as i go to church on yeah, sunday <laughs> That's that's how I take it. And I thought it was interesting um, where he talks about how Israel had forgotten to, to you know, bring the, the sacrifices in, in Isaiah 43. So why would he start the book of Isaiah saying to stop doing these things and then say you have forgotten to do these things if they weren't supposed to be done? <laughs> because... Yeah because and now we'll continue unless somebody has something to say no i'm with you let's start we'll pick up in 16 it says wash yourselves cleanse yourselves remove your evil deeds from my sight stop doing evil learn to do what is good seek justice correct the oppressor defend the rights of the fatherless plead the widow's cause come let us discuss this says the lord Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The faithful city, what an adulteress she has become. She was once full of justice. Righteousness once dwelt in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your beer is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, friends of thieves. They all love graft and chase after bribes. They do not defend the rights of the fatherless, and the widow's case never comes before them. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, declares, Ah, I will gain satisfaction from my foes. I will take revenge against my enemies. I will turn my hand against you and will burn, oh, and will burn away your dross completely. I will remove all your impurities. I will restore your judges to what they once were and your advisors to their former state. Afterward, you will be called the righteous city, a faithful city. Zion will be redeemed by justice. Her repentant ones will by righteousness. But both rebels and sinners will be destroyed and those who abandon the Lord will, will perish. Indeed, they will be ashamed of the sacred trees you desired. There's them trees again. And you will be embarrassed because of the gardens you have chosen, for you will become like an oak whose leaves are withered and like a garden without water. The strong one will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the flames. 
as always, if you keep reading. <laughs> and Messiah talks about this too. Uh, and I think it's in Matthew 5. Where he talks, yeah, where he talks about uh, before you bring your, your gift to the altar, go and make right with your brother. Yep. Yep. Don't just, you know, go through the motions like, ah, you know, I know I sinned. I'll just bring this lamb over here and I'll be I'll be justified. It's all good, man. Don't worry about it. No, that's not how this was set up. The whole point was you are sinful. You were supposed to be you're supposed to mourn over your sin. You're supposed to be pierced through the heart and realize that you are a sinner before the the almighty, righteous, just God. And then you bring your offering and ask for forgiveness. You make atonement. And that word atonement, uh, I, the way that I take it is at one, that you are made at one. You are restored to God. You are, you know, following in what he calls good, not what you call good, because it doesn't matter what we call good. It, every single person, that right yeah, every single person. We were just talking about foods that, that me and you say are good, but Micah says he doesn't like. My wife doesn't like things that I like, but I say that they're good, and they say, and other people would say that they're bad. So there has to be a standard of what is good, and that standard is definitely listed out in the law. First five books of the Bible. <laughs> And the prophets, which, again, going back to Matthew, which I think we're going to read all of Matthew 5. The portion only had a snippet of it, and I, I extended it, but I want to read all of Matthew 5, I think. Sounds good to me. We're going to read. 523 is one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I actually used that the other day. My, I had a family member that was having some trouble and he's uh he plays the guitar in church but and and that's that's a service you know to the body to to sing and make music and all that stuff but he, he's absolutely miserable and he doesn't like anyone and i was trying to reason with him a little bit and i said even jesus said if you're bringing your offering, which you are, your music is your offering. You're bringing it to church, but you're mad at everybody all the time. So take care of that before you, because your guitar is not going to get you to heaven. Yeah. And that, that verse popped in my head. And I had never heard that until I started reading uh, in context trying to find the truth and the word and the red words yeah which he's, he doesn't condemn the bringing an offering before the altar there too that's another thing to point out yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and that's why I included this little section here in the portion um that's why I didn't give you the, the listing to begin with, because I go off two different things and then I'll typically uh, read through and try to add some stuff that I think ties in with it. And what I'm about to read, I think, ties in with it as well. Uh, we're going to Ezekiel 44 now.
We'll start in verse six. And this is messianic age. This means this is during the millennial reign. It says, say to the rebellious people, the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. I have had enough of all your detestable practices, house of Israel, when you brought in foreigners uncircumcised in both heart and flesh to occupy my sanctuary. You defiled my temple while you offered my food, the fat and the blood. You broke my covenant by all your detestable practices. You have not kept charge of my holy things, but have appointed others to keep charge of my sanctuary for you. This is what the Lord God says. No foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh may enter my sanctuary, not even a foreigner who is among the Israelites. Surely the Levites who wandered away from me when Israel went astray and who strayed from me after their idols will bear the consequences of their sin. Yet they will occupy my sanctuary, serving as guards at the temple gates and ministering at the temple. They will slaughter the burnt offerings and other sacrifices for the people and will stand before them to serve them because they ministered to the house of Israel before their idols and became a sinful stumbling block to them. Therefore, I swore an oath against them. This is the declaration of the Lord God that they would bear the consequences of their sin. They must not approach me to serve me as priests or come near any of my holy things or the most holy things. They will bear their disgrace and the consequences of the detestable acts they committed. Yet I will make them responsible for the duties of the temple, for all its work and everything done in it. But the Levitical priest descended from Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me, will approach me to serve me. They will stand before me to offer me fat and blood. This is the declaration of the Lord God. They are the ones who may enter my sanctuary and draw near to my table to serve me. They will keep my mandate. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they must wear linen garments. They must not have on them anything made of wool when they minister at the gates of the inner court and within it. They must wear linen turbans on their head and linen undergarments around their waist. They are not to put on anything that makes them sweat. Before they go out to the outer court, to the people, they must take off the clothes they have been ministering in, leave them in the holy chambers, and dress in other clothes so that they do not transmit holiness to the people through their clothes. Hmm. Sacrifices weren't done away with. <laughs> that's, that's the point of that passage. I mean, that's not the entire point of the passage, but that's Ezekiel's Ezekiel's one man, all the prophets. I love all the prophets, but Ezekiel's one of my favorites. I love Isaiah. I love Ezekiel. But Ezekiel 36 through through chapter 48 is just solid gold, man. Solid gold. What verses are both? 23 and 24. Yeah, I get lost in in the prophets sometimes. I, you say this is the millennial kingdom? Yes, sir. Yes, I to, sir. I need to read more. Well, it starts with 
let's say we we see in uh, thirty six, I will I will take out your your heart of stone and put a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you, and I will cause you to walk in my commands. Thirty seven. He talks about uh, raising the dead. That's the resurrection of the dead. Uh, thirty eight. Defeat of Gog. Thirty nine is disposal of Gog. I'm trying to remember where it's. I wish Jimmy was here. Jimmy would already have this figured out. I'm trying to remember where it's at, but it talks, there's a specific place that it mentions. And it says that this will happen during this time. And you can look this place up. I thought it was in 47. I have that highlighted already. Oh, here it is. Yeah, 47. And you can look this up right now if you want. Um, we'll start in verse 8. It says, He said to me, This water flows out to the eastern region and goes down to the Arab. Arabic, the Arabic Sea, or Arabic Sea. When it enters the sea, the sea of of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swarms will live there, or will live wherever the river flows. And there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside it, from Engedi to in in Eglaim. Look those places up. These will become places where nets are spread out to dry. Their fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Yet, its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be left for salt. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. Each month, they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for medicine. That place cannot be fished right now. Why? It's the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. There's actually Why is it the Dead Sea? It from Engedi to Englaim, and that is two springs near the Dead Sea, according mm-hmm. to this study. Engedi is one of the places I want to go to with uh, Rabbi. Um, but there's actually so an underground river that's feeding into the Dead Sea now, and there are fish living where that is going. Really? In. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that. Yep. Kind of I might have to look into that. Yep. I might have to look into that because it says that it'll come from the sanctuary. The water mm-hmm. comes from the sanctuary. So that's interesting. It's um it was just found not too long ago. I might have Kinda to look cool. into that, but but <laughs> that right there, I was gonna say, um, I'm going to look into what you just said, but as far as what <laughs> I have looked into, and, and even this past year, uh, I did that whole series on TikTok talking about how we're not in the millennial reign or the new covenant because the new covenant is the millennial reign. I think that we are in the betrothal uh, period. Uh, 
that's one of the things that I used was because you can't fish right there because it's called the Dead Sea because everything's dead. <laughs> well, because it's because it's got a really really high salt content. Yeah, I was fixing to say what is it dry or what? Like no, what's going it, on? It's here? just very. You can actually <laughs> float in it. The salt content is so high. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Nerd. I love it though. <laughs> now we'll go to Malachi. There you go. I'm gonna send you a link. Send me a link. Send it to the, the tour nerds. I'd be interested in looking at that. I want Jimmy to see that too. Read science. Oh, yeah, you're fine. This is uh, Malachi 1 6 through 14. It says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. But if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me? Says Yahweh of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled foods on my altar, you ask, how have we defiled you? When you say the Lord's table is contemptible. When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Asked the Lord of, the Lord of hosts. And now ask for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us since this has come from your hands? Will he show any of you favor? Asked the Lord of hosts. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, said the Lord of hosts, and I will accept no offering from your hands. For my name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its settings. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations, says Yahuwah hosts. But you are profaning it when you say, the Lord's table is defiled and its product, its food is contemptible. You also say, look, what a nuisance, and you scorn it, saying, the Lord of hosts, you bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering. Am I to accept that from your hands, asked the Lord? The deceiver is cursed who has an acceptable male in his flock and makes a vow but sacrifices a def defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says Yahweh of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. I just realized we skipped Jeremiah too. <laughs> I figured we were just bouncing around. Bouncing around, we'd get to it. Well, I, I went from I went from Isaiah or yeah Isaiah forty three to Isaiah one and Ezekiel because that kind of goes along with what we we're talking about. I've actually that, that's. There's a lot of people that don't understand the whole sacrificial thing, which we can get into a discussion after we finish this. We're just about done. Um, I've actually had people in the the tour camp tell me that 
talk about you know sacrifices and stuff that that strange fire <laughs> strange fire strange fire because they don't understand that all these things are still going to be done in the millennial reign and when you go through the book of Daniel you know when you uh, uh, talks about the abomination of desolation mm-hmm. he puts an end to the sacrifices that's not a good thing <laughs> that's a bad thing it's always been a bad thing it's a bad thing even when god says stop bringing me these things because you are defiled you are not doing this in the proper manner when you put an end to the sacrifices that's a bad thing because how are you going to get atonement <laughs> Right. We're going to read Jeremiah 7. 1 through 20. All right, it says... This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the house of the Lord, and there call out this word. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who enter through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says. Correct your ways and your deeds, and I will allow you to live in this place. Do not trust deceitful words, chanting, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Instead, if you really change your ways and your actions, if you act justly toward one another, if you no longer oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, and no longer shed innocent blood in this place or follow other gods, bringing harm on yourselves, I will allow you to live in this place, the land I gave to your ancestors long ago and forever. But look, you keep trusting in deceitful words that cannot help. Do you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods that you have not known? Then do you come and stand before me in this house, called by my name, and say, we are delivered, so we can continue doing all these detestable acts. Has has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your view? Yes, I too have seen it. This is the Lord's declaration. But return to my place. That was at Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first. See what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel? Now, because you have done all these things, this is the Lord's declaration. And because I have spoken to you time and time again, but you wouldn't listen. And I have called to you, but you wouldn't answer. What I did to Shiloh, I will do to the house that is called by my name, the house in which you trust, the place that I gave to your ancestors. I will drive you. From my presence, just as I drove out all of your brothers, all the descendants of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for these people. Do not offer a cry or a prayer on their behalf. And do not beg me, for I will not listen to you. Don't you see how they behave in in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The sons gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods so that they provoke me to anger. But are they really provoking me 
This is the Lord's declaration. Isn't it they themselves being provoked to disgrace? Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Look, my anger, my burning wrath is about to be poured out on this place, on man and beast, on the tree of the field, and on the produce of the land. My wrath will burn and will not be quenched. That's another study for you, the, the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven. That's a fun one. And I'm not talking about the people that say that God was married. <laughs> or according to Amy Grant, God's a woman anyway. Women and their crazy theories. I know it. <laughs> you, baby, you do have my crazy theories. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And see, this is why Paul straight up said that you know, women are not supposed to leave the congregation. But, um, <laughs> you got to look, buddy. <laughs> I'm probably getting one for my wife at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, is, it is what it is. Take it up with God. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Take it up with God. I didn't say it. I'm just enforcing it. That's it. <laughs> All right, we're going to read Hebrews and we'll end with, with Matthew 5. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 1 through 17. Hebrews 10. I'm going to read Matthew 5 last because we're going to read more than just what's listed. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's a good one. Really good one. When Messiah starts his ministry. What? It's my favorite. Matthew 5. Oh, yeah. That's where we found it. Yeah, we got to end with the best. Um, the words of Messiah. Hebrews 10, 1 through 17. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the actual form of those realities, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers, once purified, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not want sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, See, it is written about me in the volume of the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, You did not want or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offering and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Once and for all, every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who were sanctified 
The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for after he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their heart and, I, and write them on their minds. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. I'll read 18. Uh, now there is forgiveness of these, or where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an opportunity for sin. Now, we'll read Matthew 5. (laughs) The sermon on the mount. You have heard it said that we were going to read Matthew 5. (laughs) You hear it said. Uh, I see what you did there. (laughs) It's in here. Oh, all right. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, The poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works and give to your Father in heaven. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, until your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said, or that it was said, to our ancestors, do not murder. 
and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says, you moron, or racha, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge, the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. I assure you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman who lusts for her has already committed adultery with her in, her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown out or thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into Gehenna, which is like a fire, by the way. Mm. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in a case of sexual, sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of, a great, of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your word, yes, be yes, and your word, no, be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Ooh. That would require some effort, wouldn't it? Yeah. All of that requires some effort. I like that last part there. Uh, don't even the Gentiles do the same? Yeah. Sounds like we're being called out of being Gentiles. That's what it sounds like. I'm a that was the end of the portion.